Hi everyone, happy belated Halloween and bonfire night. Suitably, we have two petrifying performances to discuss, and one not so petrifying so much as mind-numbingly boring. Um, my name's Nick Ballow. Here to dissect it all with me is Ian Kilroy, Gas K. We are going to touch on the Cardiff and Leeds games um, and then talk a bit about Watford and a few other things. But guys, thanks for joining us. Let's get straight into it. The, the <laughs> I I miss both the Cardiff game. I'll hold my hands. I miss both the Cardiff game and the Leeds game because I was away in in London with the kids, and I don't think I'll be going down there again when town are playing because it's absolute. I, I literally I thought Do you know I were right looking forward to the Cardiff game. So it come off the back of the win against QPR, and I thought right we've turned a bit of the corner here. Nice to see Darren Moore get his first win. I thought right we're at home to Cardiff who aren't great. We've got a chance of getting some here, and then literally I I just I. Just glanced at my phone at kickoff, and literally, I just sat down, ping, ping, two nil down, and that, and it, it seemed to just capitulate from then on, and just couldn't. the The first goal they scored was a bit of a cheeky um, flick. It was it were a decent enough goal, switched off, shouldn't have allowed the ball from Bauer to go in in the first place, but they did. But the defending for the set pieces for the for the next two was absolutely diabolical, and when you concede two goals so early it's always going to be a mountain to climb. And they just never really got going. It's like it just completely knocked the stuffing out of them. And by the sounds of it, it was the game was over after about 15 minutes. But it was. Uh, the game stunk as bad as your intro, Nick. They, I mean, they, they, were, they, were, they were terrible. Uh, and I think taking the QPR victory out, where we came up against possibly the worst QPR team I've ever seen, um, you know, the, the, the performance against Cardiff carried on from from the Birmingham game and the Sheffield Wednesday game, although we got a point. And as we always say, points are earned in the Championship. No, they give you an easy point, do they? Um, you know, the Birmingham performance was a, was a disgrace. The selection was weird. The formation was all over the shop. Uh, Darren Moore went early for the usual champion, struggling Championship manager um, tactic of putting some square pegs in some round holes, utility midfield. But what worried me more, really, was the capitulation that, that you know, both in the Birmingham game and the Cardiff game, once we let a goal in, it was game over. We never even looked like troubling the opposition. Uh, you know, Cardiff came and they were a typical Cardiff side and big and strong and, and had some good set pieces. But it was men against boys. Honestly, once that OG went in, they, they absolutely rolled. You know, when you look at the stats, ironically, I think we we did off and puff a bit and we created a little bit of something but we never looked like scoring. I mean, I, I guess we're going to labour the point, as we always do, about the strikers. But, you know, Cardiff, really, they'll not get an easier three points this year, but Cardiff. And that's, you know, five out of three games, if you include the Leeds, three out of five games, excuse me, if you include the Leeds game now, we've been properly turned over and let four goals in. So, we're all, obviously, Ian went to the Leeds game and, and I watched it on the TV, but, you know, that... That was a little bit more forgivable in terms of the result, but I know that um, the formation and and the, the whole um, way that Moore approached the game left more questions than answers, I think. It's, I think we're already at a point where you can look back now chronologically at how things have gone since Darren Moore's taken over. Um, the first game, obviously, with Coventry away. We're hell- I think he, Was he fully in charge for Coventry away game, guys? I think he was, wasn't he? Was he not? Was he, was he not even announced? I can't remember. But that was a hell of a last-minute equaliser anyway, so we were still on a bit of an up then. And then we had the Ipswich Town home game, and he was definitely there for that. And now, 
which looked fantastic in that game for the first 70 minutes. And then he made some substitutions where he brought Karoma off, uh, Nakayama off, and they brought off uh, Johnny Ogg, I think, at the same time, 70th minute. And all of a sudden, looked shite. We went from dominating one of the better teams in the division to looking shite. And now from that point, it's kind of been a bit of a mess. And we can go through game by game and see where it's at. And we'll, we'll get up here to Cardiff game. But we had Birmingham game afterwards, guys. You went to that. You had a great time, didn't you? And uh, we looked absolutely awful. We looked, we looked awful there. It was a strange system again. Then we had Sheffield Wednesday game away where we've drawn 0-0 in a very boring, a very, very boring game against a team that's pretty awful. But, he, but again, it's a point away from home. You can't get too upset. Then you're going into your QPR game at home where we're kind of fortunate to find ourselves two goal up so early doors. And any professional team should be able to more or less see that out. And now by Helix last minute heroic tackle with, with, with Alan left there 15, 20 minutes. It yeah. changed. We, we, nearly, we nearly found a way of losing that game or drawing it at, at worst. But I think if they'd have equalised then, we, we would have mentally been shot and we'd have lost that game. And then we come to the Cardiff game. And now I actually think it was just one of those games where things went wrong for us early doors, just like in QPR, where it went for us really quickly and we found ourselves two goals up. I think Cardiff, first 15 minutes, it just went all against us. And without Neil Warnock there, I don't feel the mental resilience of the team is the same. And it wouldn't be. He's the best championship manager or one of the best championship managers ever when it comes to man management, right? So to expect that from Darren Moore coming in straight away, it'd be silly anyway. But the way it happened, it just kind of went against us. I, 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 I'm not, I wasn't, even though it was an awful game, I did. Watch, I watched it at home, actually. I sat all the kids down to watch it. They were quite excited. I took them to the Ipswich game for the All of Us win, and it was the first time we'd all been. And it was quite an exciting game, wasn't it? Even though we were only 1-0, there were a few shots pulled wide, left, right and centre by Kroma and Sorba Thomas, and we looked pretty handy. It were entertaining. So they were really excited to watch that game. Anyway, 10 minutes in, we're 2-0 down. I'm like, nah, you are sitting here. You're watching this like the rest of us. I'm, I'm not quitting. You're going to have to learn how shite it is watching this field town. So they sat there for the full 90 minutes on a school night until quarter to 10, absorbing every minute of that four, Probably. Not very good parenting. But anyway, you've got to get used to it because they've got 25 years of it before they can not come with me anyway. Um, but it was just one of those games that kind of just raced away from us. I, I, I didn't think it was as bad as everybody else made out. I thought possession-wise, we 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 did okay, I mean, 57%. And I know it's easy when you're 2-0 down to get that possession because your away team are going to give it up. But I didn't feel like we were that awful. It just felt like the game went against us and then mentally a demon setting a little bit against a good Cardiff team. And it just kind of happened. But I want. I don't know about, about you, Nick, but I wasn't that bothered by it. It kind of just one of those on its own. I know it's the second 4-0, or second time we conceded four in Darren Moore's reign, and it's a bit strange so early on for that to happen. And it's at home, and obviously it's going to be a, a bad night, but it was just one of those games where I thought things didn't work out for us. There are warning signs in there, and we didn't need to change certain things, but it was just quickly they scored, and it just fell in. And it's a bit like oh, I was just falling in on themselves, but it wasn't as big of a deal as people kind of made out. It's always it's always tough to lose. I, I if you're gonna lose, don't lose by four. I, I get I get that, and I think we had a chance early doors after they went one up, didn't we? Through was it Harrow, and it were a good save. And if that goes in, yeah. maybe it's a different game. So I, I get that, and the stats. You're right, guys. Actually, the stats do read quite good. Um, you know, we did have some shots, we did get forward, we did create things, but it, it was just the quality of the defending for me that was that was concerning, particularly from set pieces. And the ease with which Cardiff got in there, and I just I always think like sometimes you do have days where things don't go for you and you're struggling and you don't get the win. And but I think if you're gonna lose, lose by the odd goal. Don't just it, it. It just felt like a capitulation. It felt like they conceded those two goals and mentally that was it. They were gone. And there was 
I mean, Darren Moore said, oh, we've changed a few things second half, trying to get back into the game. But get game's over. It's, it's, it's done. It's over and done with. Exactly the same as well, it was at Leeds. No. Well, you think, though, Nick, wouldn't you? you know, Darren Moore's a centre-half. He's brought in a set-piece coach. Now, by your point, uh, Ian, that you know, the team's not as mentally resilient without Warnock around. That, that's just going to be a fact, isn't it? But you would expect us to be organised and disciplined at corners and picking up runners. You know, these, the two of them goals, I, I mean, the blokes moved five yards to hit a ball without a man anywhere near him. That is mental, though, isn't it, guys? Do... That, is, that is a mental aspect. Of, that's a mental issue with the team. It comes from the coach Wait, of directive. But, it, but is it this? Because they're now, they're doing a bit of a mix of zonal and man marking at corners, if you've noticed. So they're sticking a man on the front post and a man on the back post. All hmm. they meant is one of the big centre-halves. So... You know, one of your one of your guys you'd expect to be tussling and trying to stop people getting a run uh, on a on a free header, he stood absolutely static on the edge of the six yard box. So you know that that's the way he seems to want to go. But I'm not entirely sure it's it's giving us what we I need. I think that guy, no, but, that guy's though. That's that that's what you have to do if you really don't trust your other players. Something like Jaheim Headley playing, he's not a great header of the ball. Even Kyle Ludling yesterday might be six foot nine, but he's not very good at heading. I think you resort to having your big centre-backs, your best headers on the edge of the six-yard box in a zonal system if you are really worried about conceding from set pieces. He just tells you exactly what he thinks. I don't think he I don't think he trusts the players that we have to go man for man in the box. But it's, I, I don't like it even. But then the only thing I didn't like about the Cardiff game, he went with Uta, didn't he, at left centre-back, which got absolutely done for the first goal within 90 seconds. And Tom Lees is sat there on the bench that doesn't happen under Neil Warnock. It does not happen. If somebody's fit enough to be on the bench, it'd have been starting him. We've had a back three there of Hellick, Pearson and Lees, which I think everyone can pretty much admit that's your best back three that we've got. And that's another step away, I think, from the way Warnock had approached it. And I know it's fucking boring when we were going back to how Warnock had approached it, how Warnock had approached it. But the thing is, the ownership decided to get rid of Neil Warnock and they made the decision to bring Darren Moore in at this point of the season. So I think it is only fair to compare I would be going under him. The decision Darren Moore made against Cardiff to put you there instead of Lee's, I think, was a bit of a warning of what was what was to come. And I, I do actually think it started on the Ipswich substitutions around seventy minutes. But again, he'd only been here a couple of games, and managers managers do have to feel their way into it. I'm just, I just, I, I still thought in it, that some of the selection there was just that little bit of a warning of what of what was was to come because the rest of the team looked pretty strong. It just we considered the goals. It was just like second bounces in the box. Was it? Was the first goal a bit of a set piece? It dropped down and. It's a bounce in the box. No, that was the second one, sorry. Things like that, they're just sloppy mental play. And that's something we've not seen for a year. It's something we saw under Mark Fotheringham an awful lot. And I think that comparison is quite fair to how Darren Moore's tenure has gone so far to how the way we played under Mark Fotheringham. I think that's something that we're going to talk about quite a bit in this podcast. And I think over the next few months, that's going to be mentioned more and more and more because we are slipping into that defensive team that Mark Fotheringham put out every week that the fans really did not like and it's not the attacking football already that Darren Moore was told was, was to bring for us. It just isn't that, is it? And you could see it in that game. No, well, and you could see it. If, if you went to the game on Saturday, you could see it, Ian, as well. You know, we we absolutely set out to have a clean sheet on Saturday. That was our one objective. You know, and, and in some ways, when you've had a run like we've had, you know, if you can't lose, sorry, if you can't win, you don't lose, do you? So, you know, the positive from the Watford game was a clean sheet. And as we said earlier, Every point in the championship is hard won. But, you know, do you think it's taken Darren Moore less time then when he took Mark Fotheringham to work out? We just don't have the players to play the way either the owner or the or the, the heads of football in the club want us to play. Well, the Cardiff game was 
pretty bad. But then we go, we'll go on to Leeds now, I'm guessing. And then there's a huge fucking overreaction there to the system that he deployed to try and counter the problems we faced against Cardiff. Yeah, let, let's talk about it. Um, I mean, oh God. So you, you wait, you lose 4-0 home to Cardiff and you're like, right, that was awful. But you've in a way, you've got one of the... Although as difficult as it is, and Leeds are, a, I mean, I hate to say it, but they're an amazing side, but it's the perfect game really to, to, to make a statement in a derby game, you know, that we do mean business, we want to bounce back. And even, I kind of, even if we'd have lost 2-1 and had a go and tested them, kept it tight, I'd have been a bit more, oh yeah, okay, you know, I would have accepted it. But any Leeds fan will tell you, we played directly into Leeds' hands with that formation, that setup. Very, very quick wingers. Probably two of the best wingers in the championship. And what do we do? We put out Nakayama. We put, I mean, I'd, Edward, I feel sorry for the bloke. You know, I, I really do. But Edwards just got absolutely rinsed time after time. Somerville played an absolute blinder, full of pace, direct. But in all honesty, as soon as I think a lot of fans were the same, again, as soon as we saw the team sheet, we're like, oh, no. You kind of you, you you kind of knew what was coming, and it was inevitable. It was inevitable. It was inevitable what was going to happen. They kept turning the screw, turning the screw, and then they got the breakaway. And it was just the ease with which this just strode past them. It was it was frightening. It was absolutely frightening. And I still to this day can't understand the tactics. Why he left Pearson out for a derby game? Why he had Edwards in there? Clearly isn't fit against one of the fastest wingers in the league. I I just. It just played directly into Leeds' hands. Anyone will tell you to get any kind of result at Leeds, you keep it tight. You get in a low block, you frustrate them, frustrate them, try and nick something on the counter. If you come away with a point, great. If you if you nick a winner, even better. But every team that's had success at Ellen Road has kept it really compact, tight, difficult to break down. And we were just we were just so open, just carved open at will. And I mean, it could have been. Leeds took the foot off the gas because the game was over at half time. But let's let's be let's not kid ourselves. It could have been eight. You know, it, it could have been seven or eight if they'd have wanted. The the goal flattered us in the second half. And I mean, by all accounts, and it were it were pretty um it were pretty heated there in the stands. From the, the I mean, I think there was a mass exodus, weren't they, at, at half time? Which I, I I don't blame them because. You don't mind if you see fight, desire, and if you see the manager trying to implement sensible tactics. I know we've got a lot of players out injured, so it is difficult. But if you if you understand the tactics and you see the effort, you can get it, you understand it, and you accept it. But you can't accept what we saw there the other week because that was just not acceptable. It, it was embarrassing. Well, the thing is, we've played we've played Watford since then, and still the talking point is that Leeds game. I think every, everyone's still talking about it because it was just so ridiculous. I the, the the Cardiff game, we went with a system that Bar Bar Nakayama at left centre back. He kind of understood what we were trying, didn't work. Whatever, we're not good enough. You can argue whatever. We're going through that, and then you go to Leeds game, and now, yeah, I think beforehand everyone kind of thought a four 0 defeat like that was quite expected. Um, which is a bad way to look at it, but you go into a derby, and I'm thinking myself, aren't we there? I drove over, and I'm thinking, well, we're just going to go defensive out. We're going to five, 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 four, one, maybe. Let's go as defensive as you are. Leeds are renowned, like you say, at home to get pretty toxic if if they're not in front when they believe they should have. They got Dan James, thirty million they paid for him, I think, didn't they? On the right hand side, they've got players like that available to them. We don't have that. We should have. 
There's another argument altogether, Premier League money, all that stuff. Right, we don't have it. We can't compete realistically financially with teams like Leeds. Right, fine. So then you block. You block deep. And you frustrate as long as you fucking can in derbies. You put a bit of passion in there. You put your leaders out on the field, the experienced leaders that you know are going to keep your sword at the back. And up top, you have a bit of pace. And now I did think, quickly, Berg's org, I thought he were Andy. I thought he ran into his game. It, it was a bit of a relief. Long balls to him. He had a couple of chances where he were away. He didn't realise quite where he was because he's a bit... Van Lepara about him when he goes forward. Um, he doesn't he like he just he gets in the right position somehow, but then he's surprised himself that he's there and he, he's not really thought about what the next step is once he gets the ball when he's when he's leading the line. But I thought he, he, that that part of the game plan, him up front on his own, was fucking perfect. Well done, Darren. Nice one, right? Everything from there backwards was ridiculous. And seeing the team, I, I, I thought, hang on, this must be a back four here. But I didn't believe it. I thought, fuck no, he can't go in for a back four here. We're going Leeds away. You're going, you've got to stick me back. He's a he's a back five coach, you know. He likes playing a three-five-two. Or we might go three-six-two, three-six-one. I'm thinking. Oh, we... no, no, no. And as soon as kickoff comes and you can see him going for a back flat four, I thought, oh my God, what are we doing here? But it's worse than that. In the first 10 minutes, Tom Edwards has done twice. He's done twice down right hand side. And now one of them, he fouls him where they then Leeds whip across in and they score from the free kick, but it was disallowed for offside. I don't actually know if it were offside for that. I did, obviously, in the stadium, I couldn't see it. And now in the stadium, typically with every fucking stadium in, in championship, there's no reception. So you've got no, no, no ability to see what other people are thinking in the game. But 10 minutes in, I'm with um, Arlo we had on from ACSA um, last time. I said, so if they don't take Tom Edwards off here, we're going to get bummed out. We're going to absolutely, absolutely done down that side. And that was me as an amateur watching this game thinking... If I'm Daniel Farker here, I'm targeting Tom Edwards every time because he's clearly not ready for this game. He's clearly too slow. Somerville's got him on toast. And Sauber Thomas does not help defensively. If I can see that nine minutes in, after he's nearly given two game, two goals away, what's Daniel Farker going to think? He's got to change it, Annie. Go to the back five now. We had people on the pitch at that point. He could have done it. We still had um, Sauber Thomas could have gone full back. We had uh, Johnny, uh, not Johnny Ogg, but... But Wiles can chuck in at right wing back if you really need to. We could have sorted something out to go to about five. Tom Edwards can play as a centre-back. We could have just done something to stop it 10 minutes in. And he fucking didn't. He didn't do anything. He left it. And the next minute, we're 4-0 down. And every goal comes down his side. He's got he's contributed to every single goal himself. And I've never seen anything like it. Without doubt, Tom Edwards' performance in the first half against Leeds United was the worst performance I've ever seen in a town shirt. Without any... With, no doubt. No doubt. And now, again, I'm in stadium here and I'm thinking, does anyone else see this? Because no one's really battering. No one's on his back or anything like that. It's pretty hard if you're not doing anything to, for people to get on your back. No one's going to chant against him. But I went on my phone so I couldn't see anything. And I'm thinking, am I the only person seeing this? Because Darren Moore did nothing. He did absolutely nothing to help him out. He's left him with Sorba Thomas there protecting him. And Sorba Thomas might be great attacking-wise, but defensively, he's just not that kind of player. He doesn't offer anything. And he left Tom Edwards... He left him there for the full 45 minutes. And I know it's nasty pulling somebody off, after, pulling someone, taking somebody off for 10, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 25 minutes. But he had to do it because every goal going on his side, he just didn't do it. He just, he just left him on. And and like now he's out of a concussion, isn't it? What did he, what did he, that must have happened. he's still dizzy. Now I think he's just dizzy from, from some of them running around in circles. Fuck me. That's it's, it's like concussion type oh. symptoms. Yeah. I said, I, 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 I'm with you. I, I, he got hung out to dry in. I'm with you. I thought, look, the lad won't fit. I mean, then to make it work, I mean, why he went to a back four? The bloke's never played a back four ever in all his managerial career. Right? But Gaz, it's not but even then, that. Gaz, that's one thing. That's one thing, right? Quickly, before you jump on. He didn't even play a low line, like a deep line. No, that, that, 
That's why just because he actually had the fullbacks bombing on. I'm like, so we were leaving, we're leaving two centre halves, <laughs> and I'm quicker than one of them. And you just like, is it any wonder? You know, and and I, as I say, I felt for Edwards. He got absolutely hung out to dry. And, and I'm with you. After 15 minutes, you have to worry. And, and I think this is this is sometimes a problem with these. I yeah, we must stop talking about Warner. But if Warner could have been in charge, he'd have changed that. I'm telling you. He'd have changed it after 20 minutes. Anyone would, guys. Anyone would have. Any professional manager should have fucking changed that. But these championship managers, they're obsessed with playing their own game. They don't don't think about the opposition too much. And that was a problem. Because if anybody thought about Leeds, and as you say, we're amateurs, but we didn't need need to be in the dressing room to know that they were going to rip us to bits down both sides. You know, I just, I'm with you. I, I just, it was just bizarre. Even if you did, though, like, guys, even if you did, even if you thought they weren't going to do it, after 10 minutes, you have to see it. Even if Darren Moore didn't have a, didn't know, and that's that's embarrassing and nearly malpractice on its own. But after 10 minutes, how how that wasn't changed, in my mind today, is the most confusing thing I've ever seen a coach do on a football field in the professional game. And by the way, whilst we're giving Tom Edwards some stick, you know, I thought the centre-halves didn't cover themselves in glory. We got beaten by one ball on four or five occasions that first half. Same with the centre midfielders, you know. He went with Diara. I mean, with respect to Diara, what's he going to add defensively in a derby away at Leeds? You know, that. You know that. And so I, it was just, at least you, have to, you just have to say it was a bad day at the office. He completely misjudged it, completely misjudged it. But he completely misjudged it at Birmingham as well, by the way. And that's, that's, worry that's my worry. <clears throat> that's he, for me as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. He, he well, it, it's just, it's like you say, now you're looking at a pattern already. We're only seven games into his tenure, but the pattern's there from Ipswich game, the Birmingham game, and then the Leeds game. And this is only the first 30 minutes of the Leeds game. It's, you can, you can, I can, I, I don't like fans turning on people so quickly. And now it's very hard for Darren Moore coming in after Neil Warnock, isn't it? He's town's favourite ever manager bar, Peter Jackson. And he's got a very, very tough job where he hasn't helped himself already. Up 30 minutes into the Leeds game, he's, he's made errors there that I still think town fans will never forget about. Tom Edwards was awful and he, he he didn't change the system to help him out. And I still will, and I'll never accept why. I just don't get it. But, he, with it, but then, like you say, guys, he had the high defensive line. But then just on top of that as well, you can't forget that we had a high fucking press. We were pressing him all the way up the field with a high line and a back four with slow fullbacks against the fastest wingers, two of the fastest wingers in the division. There was one, I won't take such a chance podcast, and I, I, I referred to Tom Edwards getting absolutely done by the freeze. You've seen the freeze in American baseball where he sets off running and he gives him like 100 metres or something and then the freeze chases him down and as he's running on the corners, he runs round him by now. Oh, no, he was so far off the bloody feet, like that Gareth Bale goal for Spurs on one of them when Edwards got to, when Somerville went past Edwards, and it was a thirty-yard race and had a ten-yard head start and he lost by twenty yards. That's exactly what happened to Tom Edwards in those races against Somerville. It was it was like it were running backwards, and there were another and one. Of, I think that was a fourth goal, and for the third, I think the third goal, whichever one where Sober Thomas is 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 one up in him, and and Tom Edwards is behind him as the shadow shadow defender is his second man. And he takes on Sauber Thomas and Tom Edwards, I shit you not, goes the opposite direction to the way the ball is. He goes the wrong way when he takes it around Sauber Thomas. And it's just things like that that I've never, ever seen before. And I know fans have gone on about it and on about it and on about it. But again, in the stadium, I just didn't understand that anyone else was seeing it. But then after the game for Stephen Chicken to give him, I think, 
I may be wrong here, but the first ever one rating in yeah. the examiner ever, and to me is fully deserved, says everything anybody could could need to know about what went on. But like I say, it's not really his fault. He's just not ready for it. He's barely played. He's been injured a lot, like over the last year. And he, he just clearly weren't ready for it. But then we didn't make a change. And it, it, it seems crazy. It, it's still, it's something I'll never be able to forget, no matter how long Darren Moore's here for. That is something that I'll never be able to move on from. Do you think he's lost the fans then already, Darren Moore? Or well, a section of the fans? He did on Saturday. He did on that Saturday. The, the crowd were awful in the second half to him. Uh, something chanting stuff like, you're getting sacked in the morning. And then Leeds fans started chanting back, there's only one Darren Moore. And that was quite funny. And then the Leeds fans started singing, started singing uh, Darren Moore gives a wave, Darren Moore gives a wave. And he didn't do it. And that was fine. But I can't believe that didn't come across on the TV because in the stands, I, I was pissing myself laughing. I couldn't believe it. But all 20 town fans that were left after half time probably, probably enjoyed it. But I've just not seen much about it. But that's exactly how it went. Leeds fans were singing... Uh, Pro Darren Moore songs because that's how so laughably was and if you've listened to any Leeds podcast after the game they also picked out uh, right back issues uh, as being such a weak point that they couldn't fathom why we, we went in that that kind of way but it's just I've not seen such so much veracity against a, a, a town manager after such a short period of time than Darren Moore got on that game it was it was quite vitriolic and I don't agree with it I, I think the squad he's been given is pretty awful and, and the anger should be directed more at the ownership, that kind of stuff. But then the decisions he made in that game especially were very, very questionable. Um, so while I don't I, I agree with it, I can kind of, I can, I can, it makes, it makes some sort of sense based on what I saw myself as well, but it's not very nice. And then after the game, um, second half, I thought he went with a system we should have gone with from, from the beginning. Second half, he's gone to the back, back five and we looked all right. We won one nil. Don't know how many points you get for that, but we looked all right in that second half. We, we low blocked deep, hitting the long ball over to Bergzog. We looked fine. Looked all right. But it's just that that, that first 45 minutes will will be forever in Darren Moore's legacy at Huddersfield Town. And a lot of it was his own doing. But I have a lot of um, mates who are Leeds fans and they were just stunned at how, na- how naive they were, Town were. If... <clears throat> It's a perfect way to play if you want to lose at Leeds, basically. It's the opposite of what you want to do if you want to get a result. And I can't believe with all the stats, with all the analysis, with all the training and preparation that that's the best that we could come up with to play against Leeds like that. It would, it would just, I, I couldn't believe it. I could not believe what I was seeing. But yeah. I, I, I don't condone... I mean, you always have a bit of gallows humour when it's when it's that when it's that bad. You've got to have something to sort of raise your spirits. And I know, like a bit of to and froing, and but it was vitriolic, like, and I, I do feel a bit for him because it's not it's not nice to see, especially when he's been here so early. But he just doesn't help himself, does it? He? he doesn't help himself with his. Let's be honest, this squad is probably one of the worst. Well, it's certainly the worst I've ever seen. Town having the championship as it as it stands at the moment, it is. Pretty abysmal to be to be honest. There's zero attacking flair in that side. There's there's ne- I mean it, it's. I think most managers would struggle to get consistent results with this side. I mean you know ironically the best manager for the job we've let go. So and that's and you're always going to be a bit of a poison chalice for him. I, I said it at the time because everyone wanted Warnock to stay. So he's already starting from you know a negative because he's come in replacing someone who was so good at getting the best out of us. He was always going to, and, he, and he's having to put his own ideas across and 
implement things with this squad, it was always going to be really difficult. So I do have quite a lot of sympathy for him. And it is early. And he does have a decent track record, but his, his track record is with sides who are, in relative terms, good size for that league. Now, this is one of the first jobs he's had where this squad is a lot weaker in comparison with most pretty much all other teams in the league. So is it is it is are these performances because of the squad or is it because of his tactics? I'm not entirely sure, but I, I I'm personally I'm happy to wait until after January when he's been allowed to get some players in and see how it shapes up because it is pretty bad. I mean we had what six subs against Watford. We we had I mean you look at that bench. I mean Jesus. There's there's nothing there's nothing there, so I'm I'm a bit seventy thirty on it, you know I'm seventy percent. Well, it's early, we need to give him a chance because his record is decent and it is early and you know with all the circumstances surrounding it. But then I see the Birmingham game and I see the Leeds game and I think oh god, and then we move on to Watford and. I mean, the tactic there clearly was just don't don't concede. Just keep it as tight as possible. Don't concede at all costs. Try and get the clean sheet. Try and stifle Watford. Stop them from playing. And, you know, I think considering the team that he had, he had to put out, because there was no one else, there was literally no one else available. So it, it wasn't really up for any kind of debate because I don't think there was anyone else available to put out. I think they did a pretty decent job. I mean, Watford were pretty abject. I have to say, we were quite lucky there that Watford seem to have sides that, that, that they're littered with really good players, but they just don't seem to gel as a unit, they, and they seem to kind of want to just tip tap it into the net, and they don't really, they don't really, I don't know, they just don't seem to gel properly, um, and it was a bit of a, let's be honest, it was a bit of a nothing. I mean, we're going to struggle to really talk about any major highlights to the game, but after you've just come off the back of an absolute hiding to Leeds and a hiding to Cardiff, I guess we can't moan too much about a nil-nil, can we? Not really. I, I, <clears throat> I think um, they did everything you would expect a team with less talent to do against a team with more talent. Everything we didn't do in the Leeds game, we actually did. So, you know, they were they did work hard for each other. You know, they, they were organised, um, we tried to play to our strengths. I thought we used the long ball to huddling reasonably well. Um, you know, in those games, if you take an if you get an opportunity, you must take it. I don't think we really created an opportunity, which is slightly disappointing. But one thing that you've got to do is keep mistakes to a minimum. And actually, I thought we did that on Saturday. I thought we we made good decisions defensively, um, and we actually look organised. Everything we haven't been in some of the prior games. Um, and the irony is, as you say, Ian, it was Leeds, Alec and Pearson. So it's probably not a great surprise that we look more robust at, at, at the back. Um, you know, so I and I actually quite like Ben Jackson at right wing back. I thought he I thought he did okay as well. So that was a much better performance. You're gonna have to take a point after the last last few weeks. And you know, I think the Darren the Darren Moore thing, I, I said the last time we were together, I said, you know, if he'd have been, if Warner hadn't stopped in the summer and he'd been the appointment, I'd have been delighted. And and I remember by that, I also said it's going to be interesting how the ownership reacts when he has a bit of a sticky patch because he will. Well, I didn't think it'd come so fucking soon. That's the only problem. <laughs> so you know, I, Kev, Kev obviously has managed to emerge from his wood up or wherever he's been living whilst we've been getting pumped um, and reappeared where he managed to scrape a point in his shit now. Middle draw, aren't he? Um, but yeah, yeah. At least I think. 
I'm with you now. There is a bit of a positive. And the positive is we're actually five points clear of the drop zone, which, uh, considering how we've been, is a bit of a mini miracle in itself. And, and you know, Warnock and uh, Moore have, have taken half of those points each in round figures. So, you know, if we've just got to find a way to get to January, my worry is, Nick, that um, whether Mr Cartwright is going to bring in the right quality of what we want, he came with a bit of a reputation from the the Stoke fans that he hasn't got a clue. Um, and, you know, so far he's he's not set the world alight. Having said that, he's not brought a lot of people in, has he? So, so I guess I'll see how it goes. But, you know, listen, I, I went to the game on Saturday. It was it was dull. Um, but a point's a point. And, and after, as I said, after the last few games, I was I was pleased with the defensive performance. Well, that's it. Watford came into the game. Well, their season's kind of gone like they lost 3-0 to Leeds. They lost 3-2 uh, to... Middlesbrough at home, and then they lost 2-0 to Sunderland away. And then since then, they've gone pretty defensive and they just don't want to concede goals. They've drawn one all, one one nil, one one nil. They drew two all with Millwall then and drawn nil nil with us. So you had two teams Saturday that's got into that not wanting to concede a goal. And that's probably why there's been next to no chances created. Both teams were happy. Let's build they're looking at the season as a whole rather than the game on its own. They're looking right. Let's let's just concentrate on not conceding now and we'll work on attacking pa- patterns as we go forward into the season. And for, for Town, realistically, the team that Darren put out on Saturday, I don't think there's anything else they could have done, could he? Who were, who were left on bench? Who, who did we have left to actually come and play in a different system? He kind of, the team realistically picked itself, and that's including huddling and, and whatnot. Like, we couldn't do much more. It, the one thing we missed on the Leeds game, um, quickly just to go back to it, that I do really think is important, Darren Moore didn't applaud the fans after the game. He walked straight down the tunnel. I know that's fucking un- that's unacceptable to me for a football coach to do that. If your fans have travelled, okay, we've not gone very far, but it's, it's a very little thing, a very tiny, tiny thing you have to do to keep everybody happy. It's not that big of a deal. To not do it is, and he didn't do it. Now, whether he forgot or not, whatever. But then for town fans to come out of the game on Saturday, pretty happy with how it went, having drawn nil-nil at home to a team, says a lot about, I think, Huddersfield Town fans. We're pretty understanding. I don't think we are quick to get rid of... Town fans think town fans are assholes. They think that we're nasty. Football fans in general are pretty quick to turn on people. But I don't think we're that bad at town. Even after even after Warnock being here, we're not, we've not been that bad. Some of the mistakes I think more have made already. We seem to be moving on and we're understanding that the squad's in the position that it is. The team's thin. And going defensive at home to Watford isn't the end of the world. And a point at the end, it does feel like a win. I know a lot of people are taking quite offence to that for some reason. People referring to it as, as a kind of win. But it is. After the games we've sat through the last few times, to go with such a weakened team and to take a point from it is a big, big thing. The clean sheet's probably more important than the point. Of course, you get a point at least if you keep a clean sheet, but to show that we have that defensive structure and even if we can't dominate possession, we can keep teams out. And that's what we did on Saturday. And that is a huge positive to to build on going into Hull next week. And, and from there, we've got some tough, tough fixtures coming up. And having a resolute defence is going to be key to getting anything out of any of them. To go with such a weakened team and, and do okay is a big tick on my book. And for me, it's a 9 out of 10 performance on Saturday. I know it's not exciting. I know it's not amazing. It doesn't actually matter how it went on the pitch. Walking away with a point will do more good to the players than a win against Birmingham would have done. It really would. It, we had next to nothing on that field and they found a way. There's no Johnny Ogg and we're notoriously bad without him playing. But I thought Ben Wiles... Going back to Cartwright signings and, and Stowe's uh, opinion on him, he's brought in three, I think, for us, as he? Maxwell came in, um, Tom Edwards came in, and obviously we've, we've brought in Ben Wiles. I'm not entirely sure who's brought who in. 
Maxwell's obviously a backup keeper. Tom Edwards obviously isn't very ready yet, but I, I do like Ben Wiles. And a lot of people have been giving him a bit of stick recently. But to me, I don't think he's a player that you want to play there with Johnny Og. I think long-term you're looking at him as a successor to Johnny Og. And at the moment he's trying to play a different a different kind of role so he can fit into the 11. But I'm, I've, I'm actually a bit of a Ben Wiles fan. And I think there is going to be a decent player in there going forward, especially when David Kasumu comes back. I think between the pair of them, they're both a little bit more attacking than Johnny Og, but between them, they can do what Johnny Og does as well. I'm quite looking forward to those two playing together in the midfield uh, going forward. But a point against Watford isn't as important as as the structure that we had with a team that we have. We had a very, very weakened team. But Darren Moore seemed to get them back on, on the field in a good a good way after a horrendous performance at Leeds. And, and the town fans weren't against them. I listened to the end of it. I didn't go. I listened to a bit on the radio. But the town fans felt pretty pretty motivated we're still pretty supportive and that's very rare in a home game when you're not creating very much normally they're getting on the back of them and it didn't happen so to say we're the fans really so, got into, the fans really got into the game and after about 65 minutes the, the fans actually got into the game on Saturday you know they tried to give the, the team quite a bit of encouragement it was actually quite nice to see because you know I think the first half they were very quiet but you're right and I think they, they recognised the effort and and you know, as you say, I know people think we all argue each, argue with each other all the time, but we just want to see people giving it a go and trying the best. And I think that's what people appreciated on Saturday. They felt it was a genuine gift put in by players who perhaps in other games have been guilty of not doing that. I say it's a and we're realistic. Town fans are pretty realistic in their expectations as a whole. Now the always going to get some bellends saying, "Oh, they need to spend more money. You got to buy a striker." We've been running break even, and now. That, that's pretty clear what Kevin Nagel wants to do, doesn't he? He wants to run at break-even. So us being a, a championship survivor season after season generally is going to kind of be what we are if we are running at break-even at the moment. That, that, that's the long-term, the, the medium-term prognosis for us, unless we can find a way to bring in new other players, make more money, sell them on, use that and reinvest into a, a bigger salary for the for the playing squad. So that's kind of what we are. But town fans, on the whole, understand that. And that's okay. That's okay for us. But like you say, as long as we see on the pitch... We we understand that we've got no players there, so we're going to be fine if we're deep blocking and, and frustrating a team rather than going at them at home. It's just after Leeds when people were suddenly on the back of everyone, or back of other fans saying, "Oh, I can't believe they're saying Darren out, Darren out, or the victory." Blah, blah, blah. Then to, to come to the Watford game with, with next to no players and, and fans really being a part of that nil-nil draw and being quite motivated, and getting frustrated that we couldn't take the corner after the full-time whistle had gone. It's a good sign, and I really think as a fan base, town fans don't understand how good town fans are. And, and how positive generally we are when it comes to what's going on on the field. We're actually not that bad. But we're now going into a few different games where we might feel very differently if, if in the next five games we've got battered another five times. And the thing is, one thing I, I am enjoying at the moment, though, I will say, I love Neil Warner, but we always knew he was going to be here for a very short period of time. So it never felt like you could see any long-term vision for the club while we were here. And now, rightly or wrongly, we've got Darren Moore. And I'm already invested more with what's going on because I kind of understand this is what we're going to be going forward and we have to find a way of making it work. Maybe it's Darren Moore, maybe it isn't Darren Moore, whatever. But it definitely feels like we're on the path again. It's just been a fucking awful one so far. Looks like there's a plan, doesn't there? The thing is, it's so early. And, you know, who influenced the signings at the summer? Was it Warnock? Was it Cartwright? You know, was that one of the factors of Warnock going? Because that stunted our ability to attract certain players. I don't, I don't know, because it's it's document, well documented that they couldn't get the business done that they wanted to get done. And the reasons behind that probably we, we won't know, but I think it would be unfair to 
dismiss it project so early without at least giving the January window and summer window to see what they can actually bring to the table and who we can attract in. And then after we've given that time to build, see what Darren Moore can actually do. But it's going to be bloody painful the next couple of months because looking at those looking at those fixtures, we've got some awful fixtures in there. But town fans are no they're no different from any other football fans. You know, you get it everywhere. All all football fans want to see is commitment, desire, everyone putting a shift in and a bit of entertaining football. And, you know, town fans, let's be honest, for the past 10 seasons, barring two seasons, we've been in a relegation battle. So it's hardly, we're hardly used to champagne football, are we? You know, we're used to being at the bottom, being shit. It's, it it's comes with the territory. We, we just want to see a bit of effort and signs that there's some progression and that there's a plan so that we can make things better. And the new ownerships come in. They've obviously got a plan. It's the very small green shoots of that starting to come through. They're trying to do things with the stadium, with the fan zone and everything. So they're trying to get that done behind the scenes. But fans want to see the investment in the first team. And at the end of the day, like everything else is irrelevant unless they're seeing decent performances on the pitch. So it'll be very interesting to see in January what happens. I mean, um, I, I think Town's first team can compete and get up to mid-table, you know, with the right guidance. The problem is, like, I've never seen a team get so many injuries like a team like Huddersfield do because every now and again a team has a crisis and they have like 10, 11 injuries at, at one time. I think Luton had it at some point last season. But Town, it seems like that, that's every season. We seem to have like 8, 9, 10 injuries and long-term injuries as well. And not just that, but injuries to key really crucial players. And when you've got such a paper-thin squad like we have anyway... We're always going to be hit hard. And it'd be, it'd be great, you know, after a couple of windows for us to build and have a decent squad depth. Now, I'm not sure if Nagel wants to do that or whether he wants to keep it tight, keep a small squad, but but emphasis on quality. But I'd like to see us have a little bit more depth so that when we do get these inevitable injuries, we, we can compensate for it. Because I'm, I'm with you, Killer. Like, I, I want to see Kasuma in there with Wowser. But how many times has Kasuma been injured since he's been here? He seems to come back, have about four or five games, and he's injured again for another couple of months. So we, we can't really rely on, as much as I want to see him, we can't rely on these players. We need to we need to have more. We need to have more. Hogg's not getting any younger. He hasn't been replaced. Moy still hasn't been replaced. And I think that's where some of the anger, you know, from some of these fans, I, I still don't think they've got over the Premier League and what could have been. And I think that's... When we see us losing week after week, thinking actually we should never have been in this situation. If we'd have been wiser with the investment in the players, we should never have been in this situation. And I think that's what still a few of the fans are still riled from that and the fallout from that. But we are where we are, and we, you know, we've got to accept it, and we've got to get. We've, we've got. We can't. We do, we've no other option but to get behind this new ownership and what they're trying to do, and just see how it develops. And then if they don't get anyone in in January. And we're still in the same situation. Then we can lay into them, because that's suicide, in my opinion. Now, one thing, Nick, I was at the AT and T meeting, ATT meeting, uh, a few weeks ago. And now I sat next to uh, Al again, and, and Jake Edwards was sat next to us. And I, I asked him. I can't remember what I asked him in regards. To, I asked him something in regards to playing squad. Anyway, the club are looking at UEFA for bringing in, the UEFA for next year are bringing in are looking to announce. I think I'll bring in. The, a new financial fair play system where you can only spend 70%, I think it is, for championship and below clubs on of income on players, on, on player wages. And the club are obviously going to look at that. And now it's going to be, I think, a, 
a, a tiered kind of thing where the first year it's 90% and then 80% and then 70% is the plan. I think it's a UEFA standard um, that we haven't signed up to yet with the uh, EFL. But I think this is maybe a part of the new Premier League deal thing that was announced not too long ago. Now, I've not I've not read up what's been announced. Only thing I know of is what Jake Edwards said. Um, and there's something about that. So town are looking at running at that. So we can't go out in January and spend extra money if we're already over what we're allowed to spend if on UEFA's new model for next season. And I don't know how close we are to it. The thing is, we've got cheap season tickets. Our revenue isn't massive. And now if the ownership through the CEO were talking about that to fans, that's obviously the direction we're kind of going to go into. I, 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 obviously, accounts run a couple of years behind. I'm not entirely sure where our accounts were for last season. But what realistically can we afford to to bring in? Like, I, I don't know. By the Hoyle years, if you, if you if you get rid of them, we are an upper league one kind of club when we're at break even, aren't we? I know it's not a nice fact that people like to hear. Nobody wants to know that. But generally, Huddersfield Town is an upper league one or a struggling championship club. And I think this kind of reckoning back to what what we are really all the time is pretty hard for some fans and and they don't really enjoy it. And that's where the vitriol comes from, isn't it, really? Expectations that are a bit unrealistic based, you're right, Nick, on the Premier League season. And seeing teams that were perceived to be the same size as us, like Ipswich or, I don't know, like clubs like that, we think we're the same size, don't we? And we think we should be able to spend like they do. But we we, we don't and we can't if we, if we want to break even. You can't have cheap season tickets and a cheap match day experience and expect expensive players on the pitch. But town fans quite often do want that. And the, the biggest, I think, outcry this season will be the vision that the fans see that club has on how to make more money to increase the revenue for us to improve the playing squad from this summer onwards. And I think that's going to be the biggest point of this season for us. And I don't think fans are, are really aware of that just yet. But ask what is now the thing that happened is we went from that we went from whatever model it was before to the b team model where you had 20 first team players 20 b team players and you could use your b team to 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 go into your first team and, and hopefully you found a few first team players sell them on make money and now the new ownership came in and they didn't want that model did they they wanted to have a much leaner squad i don't think we're ever gonna have a squad that's big we're suffering from injuries nick there's a quicker side again because we're playing defensive football, we are off the ball a lot of the time, throwing in challenges, working very, very hard. I'm not seeing the metrics of how far we run, but I imagine the distance we run off the ball is more than any other team or one of the most teams in, in the championship. Like we do a lot of a lot of tackling and position work because we don't dominate possession. And now that increases the likelihood of injuries. You're always stretching for a tackle. You're trying to stop a block. You're not in control of the way the ball is moving. When you are, you suffer less injuries. When you're not, that's when you pull something. But I don't think we're ever going to have a massive squad, not under this ownership, not the way they want to run it. And if the UEFA model comes in, we have to find a way of having better players than what we can afford if we run a, a team of 30. And that's by having fewer players that hopefully can stay fit. It's a real contradiction of what we kind of need to what realistically we can have. And I just don't know where it's going to go. But January is going to be, I think, the first thing, the first tell realistically under the Darren Moore uh, run, running of the club with um, Nagel owning it of, of what we can expect for the next next three, four years or however long however long they're here. But it's it's gonna be something I don't think anyone I don't think anyone kind of knows what to expect, do they? I don't know what 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 realistically are you expecting, guys? I, I've got I've got no idea myself. I'm thinking a striker because we don't have any goals. And I think strikers are very expensive. So other than bringing a striker or if we can't afford one of them a number 10, another kind of redone, a, a, somebody in midfield who can create chances and and bag five to ten a season. I don't realistically know what we what we can get for. We're going to go for depth with 
more players with less value? I don't know. Well, if you look, I always judge a championship team on the bench. And when you look at the bench of the teams who played in the last two games and compare it to our bench, virtually every member of their bench would walk straight into our first team. And so, you know, I'm with you in. Don't, I don't see us having 25 first team ready, fully established championship player. I just think it happened, is it? And, and clearly, you know, they've talked about Darren developing youngsters. And we've got some kids who are getting some game time at the minute. Some of them will make it and, and some of them won't. Um, so you're always going to have an element of those people making up your bench. But, you know, we really need to be having a championship standard 11 plus another handful, really, don't we? You need 16, 17 championship quality ready players to be able to, to field a strong team on any given week because you're going to have two, three, four injuries um, and then you're going to have two, three, four kids who should be absolutely knocking on the door. So... Yeah, it's definitely short of a right back or a right wing back, depending on how he wants to play. Definitely short of a striker, but we have been since 2017. So I'm not sure it's going to change in January unless we get really, really lucky. Um, I did ask the question on Saturday, how many of these injured players would have been fit had Warnock been here? That would have been interesting. I bet there'd have been two or three who would have been, who would have been pulling a shirt on on Saturday that probably didn't this Saturday. Uh, but that says more about them than he does Darren Moore, if you if that's my opinion. Um, not that you were, but I'm giving it to you anyway. So yeah, I th- yeah, I'm with you. I'd like to see two or three championship standard players coming in at their loans. That's fine by me. I, you know, I'm not desperate for him to go out and splash five million quid on three players and tying us up for four years on, on the way on the back of Darren Moore's here who needs backing. And rather, we we need to be cute, don't we? We need to be cute. We need to spend what we've got and, and wheel and deal. And that goes back to my question of, I, I don't really know this, you know, this Mark Cartwright, I don't know much of him, came with a bit of a stinky reputation from Stoke. Jake Edwards came with a bit of a different reputation. He came as, certainly from what I've seen and read, because I don't know the bloke, he came with a really strong reputation, certainly around development and revenue generation, which if these UEFA type rules are going to be implemented by the FA, Ian, we're going to need it. We're going to need it. So, he comes across as a nice we, bloke. Personally, he seems like a really genuine bloke. And obviously... Who, who does Edwards or Cartwright? Edwards. I've not met, yeah. met Cartwright, so I can't speak about that. But Edwards comes across as a really nice, genuine bloke. And any question put to him, he answered in an honest manner. And and he said if he didn't know the answer, he said he didn't know the answer. And I really respect that in a person because very there's quite a lot of people that either bullshit on the spot or just try and deflect. And he didn't say, I don't know. I don't know. And if I, even if I wasn't... Keen on the answer, but he said he didn't know. I respect it, and and I, I I I do like him as a person, and I've got great hopes for him. I've been a great CEO for us, but I think looking into January, what we need to look for, guys, like you say, is shrewd shrewd signings, and I think it's people like Dean Whitehead again. I think we need some more leaders in that centre midfield because if Johnny Ogg's not there, then we really do struggle, don't we? And I think you've got to look at guys bringing in again. Again, it's not nice bringing patchwork players in just to get us through to the summer in this division again, but I feel like that's where we find ourselves now. Our defence is good. Lees, Hellick, Pearson, three leaders. You know if they're playing, we're going to be tough to beat at the back. I think we need to sit a couple of more options in midfield like that. And I think it'll go a long way. I think we've got enough young options, I think, at right wing back. I do like Ben, ben Jackson. I think he's a, I think he's a, a, a good player in there. Like He's a bit of a victim of his own versatility, isn't he? He's been playing left wing. He's played right wing, right wing back right back. And I think he's played at centre midfield under, did he play there for Carlos Corbin? I think he may have. Anyway, he's played all over the place. 
I, I, but I just think that leadership in the middle, if Johnny Ogg's not there, somebody who just has to control a game, we're not going to get an Aaron Moyen again. Or it's going to be not in January. Very, very unlikely. We might never see another one like him, to be fair. But you need somebody that just controls the tempo of the game. Like Wagner used to speak about Moy all the time. He knew exactly when to pick it up and when to drop it down. And our midfield, if Johnny Ogg's not there, we don't have that. And you can't rely on a player, like you say, who's aging and getting older and older and getting more and more injured. We need to find another option there. So I think you need to find somebody who can score goals because we have, guys, you've needed a, we've needed a striker since 2017, but we've always had one. We don't even have one. We're not looking for a plan B now, looking for a plan A. Danny Ward, what what is he out with? Like, he were okay at the end of last season with, with Warnock and then we've just not seen much of him now. What What's going on there? And after him, we sent Jordan out on, on loan, didn't we? And he's he's banging for fun. And I, I can't take the same approach other town fans have that he wouldn't do a job for us now. He, he would. He would. He would. He'd do a job for anybody if he's given the service. And he just, defenders respect him. So that it's going to change the way other teams defend against him, even if he's not scoring. And I don't think we've got anybody else in our team at the moment who, who offers that at number nine. I'll tell you what will happen. Sorry, Nick, for just to jump in. But I'll tell you what will happen in January. Everybody else around this bar, probably Rotherham and Wednesday, will strengthen. You know, Wednesday, Wednesday, you know, Wednesday, you know, they're making us look organised, aren't they? God love them. But, you know, Wednesday and Rotherham are probably not going to splash the cast, but everybody else that's in that bottom half, I can guarantee you they're going to push the boat out. So if we don't, we could get we could catch a cold. I think QPR will be out of there. I think our best bet's probably Plymouth for bottom three. I think after a good start, they're struggling a little bit, but I, I just... Look, if we don't if we don't bring in at least to me two or three players in, in January, I think we're in serious trouble because I think the injuries will continue. We don't score enough goals. You're right, Ian, there's no leaders at all, really, apart from Og. But Neil Warner clued it to that, didn't he, when he first came in? He said there's no leaders here. They, they were short of leadership. That was one of the best things about the team when that Wagner team that went up, it was full of leaders, wasn't it? It was full of players that had captained the previous sides, and we just don't have that. We don't have anybody that's willing to be vocal on the pitch when things aren't going well, just to get on the ball or just get into some of the players and say, no, you're not doing, you need to be doing this. And it, it, there's not enough of it. There's not enough of it in game, in game management from the players, never mind the management, but the players and we need more experience. And that comes with money. Unfortunately, you've got to, and you know, <laughs> Kevin Nagel, when he first came in, he said, look, I'm not afraid to put my hand in my pocket and buy the players. If it means that we can get to where we need to be, well, he needs to do it then. Because otherwise, if we if we go if we go past this window and we haven't brought a player in, to me that's that's nailing the coffin for me. We'll, we'll be relegated with, with this squad. We we can't. We might limp through until January, and we might just be above maybe the bottom three if we're lucky. But I looking at these fixtures, I I I think we could easily be in the bottom three by January. And then if we don't have that investment, I think we're going to struggle. I'm not asking you know for the world. Two or three loans, I think. Get Rhodes back because it's why wouldn't you? It's how many goals has he scored now? Eight. I know it's a league below, but he scores goals, doesn't he? he Score goals, get him, get him in. Danny Ward. I mean, who knows if we'll see him again? I'd, I, he'd have been playing, wouldn't he? He'd have been playing against Watford if if Warner could have been here. <clears throat> As would so. the problem is like though that Warnock is old school in it, and a lot of these new managers, it's very much by the books. So we'll go to the physio, say, "Oh, how's he doing? Has he have we ticked all the boxes? Can he, are you sure he can play? Have, you, have we got your go ahead?" Warnock just bypassed them, didn't he? he? Just rang him up, played directly, and just said, "Can you right? You're playing? Is that all right? Oh yeah, boss, I'll right. Go on then." 
and that that's the difference. They don't there are no fannying about with all, all these, you know, all this red tape and all the, the these young managers. Right, it, it's just common sense. I think for me personally, we need a striker for obvious reasons. We need an attacking midfielder because Rodone doesn't score enough goals, although I like him, doesn't score enough goals. Wiles, I think he will come good. I think he, he's got potential. And I, I liked what I saw of him at, at Rotherham before he got injured. He just needs a bit of time to settle because this is his first other club other than Rotherham and that's a big adjustment for him. And I, don't, I think he's been playing through an injury as well. So I think it's unfair to get on his back just yet. I think he needs a bit of time, but I think we do have a good player there. I think we need a defensive midfielder to cover for Hogg. I think we need a right back and I think we need more pace at the back, although not not essential this window, but with zero pace at the back. So I think if we get all those in, we might have a chance of scraping mid-table. My kid's well, got a fucking less list on the Christmas list, Nick. <laughs> yeah, that's a si- mate, that, that's a situa- that's a situation. I think that the if I mean that they mentioned this bollock three year plan about getting into Premier League, but we need a three year plan to get to mid table here. Looking at this squad, we're, we're nowhere near some of the. You look at the the teams in mid table. You got your Blackburns, your Birmingham's, your Swansea's. You stuck. We're nowhere near them teams in terms of squad. Are we? Not a stupid thing to say, wasn't it, really? Everybody just laughed at him when they said that. I mean, it's just nonsensical. Yeah. Well, unless you unless you're willing to put your hand in your pocket and pay some serious money, you know, and get and get, you know, really good mid to top end quality championship players, and then yeah, amazing. But if you, if we if we can't, if we're shackled by the rules or we don't have the money to, or whatever, I mean, what a ridiculous statement. It's just completely, it's completely unrealistic, and I think most, to be honest, most fans that, like you said, I, I don't think we're, you know, most fans would be happy with Mick Table for a couple of seasons, wouldn't we? We're, we're pretty easy to please. You don't, you even don't just compete, make... Nick. Even just competing in every game, it yeah. feels like it feels a bit like that second Premier League season where these games are just like, oh fuck, what are we even bothering for? And Leeds felt like that, and that's actually thinking now it's a bit of a light bulb moment for you. I think that's what people felt. I think that's what people felt in that game. They went into it thinking we we're going to get battered. Saw us get battered, and then had PTSD from getting battered every week in the Premier League second season. And we shouldn't be in this. It's hard to be in that position. And town teams, from my thirty-five years of life, are normally just hard-working teams that might not be the best on the ball, but will be fucking good off it, and will make it hard for you. It don't matter who you are, what division you're in, will make it difficult for you to play football and to beat us. But against Leeds, we went into it knowing we were going to get battered. We put a wet performance in with awful tactics and we got battered. Town shouldn't do that again under Darren Moore. Hopefully he's learned from that and we can move forward. But this squad requires quite heavy investment just to keep us in this division next year. Because between us, Sheffield Wednesday and Rotherham and the gap then to everybody else, because I I do think QPR are pretty handy. Like I think Gareth Ains was mental. And his way of playing football just did not fit with QPR system. A bit like Cowleys and us. Cowleys at Lincoln were great, but then Cowleys wanted quite a lot of ownership on everything that they did. I'm guessing here, but Ainsworth might have had a similar deal at, at Wickham, and that's why he did so well. But bar Sheffield Wednesday, us and Rotherham, the gap seems massive to everybody else. And it feels like every game we're going into is a bit like an FA Cup game again, doesn't it? It feels like we have to pull out a minor miracle, a bit Crag Valley paper mills to, to nick a point somewhere. And it's just hard to stomach after years and years of shite. But that's the reality that we're facing at the moment. And we need to, we need to in January to bring enough in to change that, to bridge that gap. But like you say, guys, everybody else will invest too. 
everybody else will see that there is a gap and they don't need that much more, but need something just to keep themselves safe. So it's a, we're going now for me, I don't know about for you boys, but for me, I'm looking already at getting to January in contention of 21st. And if you'd have asked me this question when Neil Warnock were here and before he went off on one about uh, Nagel and the unacceptable performance that, that we had, I could I wouldn't believe it myself, but this is where we're at. And it's it's a very big U-turn in it from where we were just a few weeks ago. But but just getting to January in some sort of competitive position to me is a big positive if we can do it. I, I still thought 18th even with Warnock because I mean I know I know <laughs> I know he said oh could we be pushing for playoffs now as he walked out. I started laughing. I thought it's classic Neil Warnock that. Just completely, just kept, just um, yeah. throw that grenade in just before you walk out and make it ultra difficult for whoever takes over. I'd, I'd just say, looking at the squad we had, I, I thought maybe he'd steer us to 18th. And I, and I think now, you know, if if we can stay 21st by, by January, I think we've done bloody well, to be quite honest, looking at the what injuries and everything. I mean, Tekel, for example, you look at all squad and we're going there. I mean, it's almost like an FA Cup game, as you say. It's almost like we're in League One and we've drawn a championship side and we've got to go and try and just put everyone behind the ball and just hope and pray that we manage to get some kind of result. But we're, we're kind of, you know, I think we've got, have we got, who have we got after that? Have we got Southampton, Sunderland? And Swansea, Southampton and Swansea, right. I think, is it? I mean, oh, Swansea never an easy place to go, is no, it? You're right, Sunderland, yeah. Hull, Southampton... Sunderland, Swansea, Bristol City, they're the next five. I mean, do you see us getting much from that? Well, the only good news is we've got an international break, haven't we? So after the whole game, there's two weeks, so you can only hope you get some bodies back and try and give him some give him some legs back in that team because, you know, as you say, I, mean, I don't know where a point's going to come from. I think Hull are, we're a whole, Hull are eighth, Southampton are ninth. So, you know, they're right up there. So, they're knocking on the door of the playoffs, aren't they? It's going to be tough. They're really tough. But again, like, as fans, you just want to see them go there, be well organised. Yeah. 110% effort. And if it don't go our way, it don't go our way. You, you can't ask anymore. But what we don't want to see is them go after this nil nil draw that we've got, go and lose 5 0. You know, be 3 0 down at half time. They're I don't gonna... think it will be, Nick. I don't think that's going to happen. I think the real tell now will be how much town fans accept being defensive at home in the home games. I think that's the reality that we're going to all have to face because I think it's the only way we can win points and it's the, it's Mark Fotheringham's part two for me. That's what we're going to be, have to be because if you can't score goals, you've got to make fucking sure you don't concede them. And the only way to do that is sitting defensive and that's what's coming. That has to come because if not, we are going to get battered by four goals again. And the fixtures are horrific. They are horrendous. And I'm stupid enough to go to all of all the away games. <laughs> so I'll be able to tell exactly what's going on. I'll then get on Twitter at half time to have a good rage on when, when we're getting when we're getting thumped. <laughs> but no, I think that I'm hoping Darren Moore goes in the Fotheringham way because everyone didn't like it at the time. But I did think with that squad, that's the only way we could do it. I forgot about the Warnock factor. I don't I can't blame I don't blame myself for missing that one. But I thought the squad last year were pretty poor and we, we were gonna struggle to stay up. And apart from Neil Warnock coming back and still putting the a miracle, miracle end of a season together. I think we would have gone down last season with what we had. And this year, to me, the squad's weaker. And we're getting to the point of the season now where injuries are coming in. It's getting heavier on the ground because it's a bit muddier. Mental resilience has fallen a little bit. You get used to losing. So if you're conceding more and more chances and corners come in, it gets more and more depressive thinking you've got to defend it. 
little things like this is what we're seeing now on the pitch. And it, it, it's football is a mental game far more than a physical game. And when you get when you start to lose, you get used to losing. And that's why picking up a point against Watford with a clean sheet was so important for us. But the fixes we have are tough. And, and Hull is a very, very tough start for us because they'll come at us. So it's just how how our, our fullbacks cope with it. Somehow get a result at all, get a win at all, suddenly it looks very different, doesn't it? But I can't see it. <laughs> I hope I'm wrong, but I mean they're a they're a good side. They're a very good side. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see. I, I hope we get some players back, but I don't know if anyone's due back. But I mean we need something. I think Hoggy and Kasuma will be back for it. I think they're they're expected to be ready to go. So that does change quite a lot of the team makeup for me. And I think um I don't know if Harrett will be back, maybe. I, I'm not sure, but I, I've no idea if we'll see Danny Ward again. I don't know what's up with him. I don't know. But right, we've talked a lot, lads. I mean, it's been really, um, it's been really joyous, hasn't it? It's been really upbeat as usual. Um, really positive. Have we, have we anything, um, anything else we need to touch on? No, I just if anybody goes to a Birmingham away game, can I just advise you not to buy samosas off a bloke selling them on a stall? On the street, that's just my just my throwaway comment for anybody that might follow Huddersfield Town and go to Birmingham. What a danger! What kind of danger buys one of them? Do you know what? It's your own fault. It's your own fault. It's no, it no. Lovely. On the way down, it was lovely. In it was lovely. It's your tight ass auctionist, isn't it? You didn't want to go to a service station it, and buy some. And it was ninety five p. It was a bargain. And that was still the. <laughs> The highlight of the evening, wasn't it? Really, it was. No, it was. Yeah, making myself ill was definitely the the high and point yet, of that evening. And yeah, it's still not the worst decision we've seen since our last podcast. The decision to open the fantastic, <laughs> fantastic media lower for the rainiest, windiest, <laughs> horrible game of the season after we just got battered away at Leeds, after we shortly battered away at Birmingham, but to open that stand for all the thousands of people wanting to come in down to, to buy a ticket for the game. That, that was at least you know, uh, I won't give you an award for worst decision of the week, guys. So, so well, I take my hat off to anybody that sat in there. They proper, proper deserve credit, don't they? I'd show the way fans in there. I don't get we're far too we're far too comfortable. You know we we make it far too comfortable for away fans. I'm I'm so glad he's changed the way we play as well. By the way, each half so that we play towards that south stand in the second because I cannot for the life of me I could not believe. That we did that for so long, and I still don't get the logic of it now. What what bollocks did they? Something to do with the sun's in the keeper's eyes or something. So that's why we played that way. But we're in fucking Yorkshire in in England over winter, we don't get any sun for about ninety percent of half of it dark. Like we're just giving away team a massive advantage in the second half for no reason. So I'm glad he's changed that at least. So that's that's something. You know, I I applaud them trying to do different things. I do. We just need we just need more fans like down there. If we're gonna put, if we're gonna, if it were packed out, it might be different. It's better to have fans behind the goals at both sides, but they just need enough fans at the moment because it's not worth watching. If we start playing better football and the weather's a bit better and it fills it, then it, then great. And nobody wants to be in there. Like as a home fan, you don't really want to buy a season ticket in there. I had a season ticket in there for two seasons, and it, it, we're we're all right, but. It's 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 not that it's it's definitely the worst home kind of stand to sit in. In it, you get very very wet if it rains. It's prime. It's a prime place to give it to kids, school kids, come down watch the game for nothing. I don't think town fans would feel too jealous about people getting free or very subsidised tickets to sit there. So I, I really yeah. think the club are 
there's an opportunity there for the club to get younger people engaged into being a town fan by offering it on the cheap through schools. And hopefully, and by the sound of it, they do seem pretty proactive on that kind of space. And I'm expecting that that to kind of happen because it's not the greatest experience if you pay if you're paying the 25 quid to sit there. But there's definitely an opportunity there where they can get people behind the goal because it does look shite on on TV when we score at that end and there's no one there. There's nobody, yeah. And where, whereas if you shoot up the other end and we're four 0 down, you score. I know it's the same kind of thing, but it feels like a bit of a bigger deal. So, I just there's definitely things you can do. But it was it was a, a strange one, a strange one for me <laughs> for him to pull out pull out on Saturday anyway. If it, if it were me, I'd have away fans in there definitely. You have to put some sort of netting so they don't throw stuff on them from from above. But I mean, it's only like they do it at other. You know what? Why why have we got to put them in one of the best stands in the ground with the best acoustics? I don't. I don't understand it. What? Why can't we? Why can't we change them round and put them in the worst area? Because everyone else does. Like what's? Oh yeah, but you know, fans might have to walk past each other because it's on other. So they do it over the other ground. You walk in amongst like forest. Like you, you literally you have fans on top of you, don't you? Um, at forest and you're all intermingled or what have you. There's no pro- There's no issue at all in any other ground. I, I don't. I don't get it. But we we make life far too comfortable. For away team and fans, I think we're far too soft, and that it's about time that changed. Especially when we're at a disadvantage on the pitch already. We need we need as much of an advantage off the pitch as possible for me, but that's just me. Right then, guys, we had a good chinwag. So moving on to all, shall we have a very very quick prediction before we end it? I mean, it ain't gonna be it ain't gonna be nice, this is it? I don't think. But let let's try and inject a little bit of positivity before we end it. I'm gonna. Um, I mean, my 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 head says three 0 but I'm gonna go with my heart. And <laughs> yeah, mega gonna... positive, Nick. Well done. Oh, <laughs> such yeah. positivity. Oh, get the parade <laughs> out. Get the bus ready. Well, yeah. I tell you what, I might do. I might put a bet on us to lose because I never win bets. So I might put a bet on town to lose, and then we might get a result. I'm I'm gonna go for a one-one. I'm gonna nick a set-piece goal. Another helic goal is our top scorer. I can't I can't see beyond it. A defeat, unfortunately. So I think two nil to to Hull. I think they'll uh, they'll probably get one, and then we'll off and puff. But they'll manage to bag a segment and kill the game off. Would be my gut feeling. So they're they're a good team. They got a bit of a spanking off West Brom. They lost three one, but apparently it could have been five or six. So I think they'll be ready to uh, ready to turn that round at home on Saturday. They'll have a good go, but I think we're Hoggy and Kasuma coming back in after a nil nil. I think we'll build on it. I think another nil nil. I don't know how often you get a nil-nil following a nil-nil, but I think again that'd be like a bit of a mental victory if we could, if we can we can do that. But I think we'll be going all. I, I expect we'll be going out again. Darren Moore spoke a lot after the um, the Watford game about the main thing was a nil-nil. We were going for the clean sheet, and I think the same thing's going to happen again. And this is probably more hope because I think if we get battered again, it it kind of resets you again, doesn't it? It feels like we made a bit of a step forward with a nil-nil against Watford, but I think if we got battered battered against Hull by the scoreline, I think he's kind of set you back again and. You're fighting demons, so maybe more through through hope and and sheer positivity. As you all know, I'm I'm so famous for. Um, I'm I'm seeing a, a nil nil. I'll go, I'll go nil nil with that. As long as he doesn't set up like he did against Leeds, because if he does, I don't know what I'll do. If I see something similar again, <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll have a breakdown. Right then, guys, thanks very much to Ian Kilroy, Gasquet. Thank you guys for listening. We'll be back hopefully after the whole game, hopefully after a positive result, something to build on, um, and then we'll talk it through. But take care, everyone, and we'll uh, see you all again soon. Bye-bye.